this week, my family joined the 50.9 million people who traveled over 50 miles to celebrate Thanksgiving 2017. We flew back to D.C. to visit Mary Beth's family. Um, I love going back to this family because uh, although we don't talk about it much, it is a family full of musicians all over the house. There are violins and there, there's like a beautiful piano in the middle of their living room. And on Wednesday, as we cooked and cleaned and got everything ready for Thanksgiving, Mary Beth's mom who some of you know, she played uh, the piano here at Christmas last year. She went over to the piano there in the living room and started playing chestnuts roasting on an an open fire, to which Joel, my brother-in-law, the violinist, poked his head out of the kitchen and said, Diane, it's not allowed. Is referring to the time-honored tradition of waiting until the day after Thanksgiving before diving headfirst into Christmas. If only the rest of the world were attentive to that. <laughs> this tradition has gone the way of the dodo, right? I went into Home Depot on Halloween, and they had already, like, chucked all the Halloween stuff and had Christmas trees out and all the lights and the, you know, robotic uh, lawn decorations. Like it or not, here come the carols. And today, as I read this passage, I can't help thinking this is like a sinister version of Santa Claus is coming to town. (laughs) You better watch out. (laughs) He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. He's going to find out. Sounds like another good old-fashioned, God's going to squash you passage. It leaves you with the feeling, I hope I'm not a goat. As if that fear would motivate you to become a sheep. But fear is not the motivation of the sheep in this passage. The people who help Jesus through the least of these have no idea what they are doing. They're not motivated by fear. They're just loving the people around them. They're people who understand that we are all in this thing together. We, they are people who live into the web of mutuality that we talked about last week from Dr. King. They're people who understand the mystical unity that Sufi poets like Rumi articulate so beautifully he says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there's a field. I'll meet you there when the soul lies down in that grass and the world is too full to talk about. Jesus celebrates service of others, he celebrates unity, and he associates fear with separation, as if the only cause of separation is having separated. This is something that Ezekiel expresses perhaps more clearly than Jesus. The stories are familiar. The shepherd who judges groups. But Ezekiel says, I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. 
I will feed them with justice. He goes on to to, to articulate that this is because you, the fat sheep, butted all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. But I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall be a prince among them. Christ the King. Christ the King, Sunday. The prince among the sheep. It's easier to understand what Ezekiel is saying. The fat sheep have made life hard for the other sheep. We need some justice, is what he's saying. Those who scare or hurt or divide the sheep, run them off. Those folks need to go. Adios, fat sheep. We can take that, right? We kind of like that. But the sheep and the goats, ah, that's a little, that's a little harder. <laughs> It feels like we have less agency in this pending judgment, like we might be goats and get a bad rap. For the last year in this church calendar, we've been working our way through Matthew's gospel. We've discussed how this gospel was written in the wake of the destruction of Jerusalem in the year 70 of the Common Era, the destruction that eliminated the temple, this Gospel is written by a people who are marginalized and oppressed, people who longed for justice, people who wanted to see their oppressors punished. Did you guys see the response of the president, the Egyptian president, to the bombing? Have you guys heard about this? I'm sure we're all familiar with the bombing of the, the mosque on the Sinai Peninsula that killed 305 people, at least. But he said that he, he vowed to take revenge and strike them back with an iron fist. And within minutes of those words, bombs pulverized vehicles all across the Sinai Peninsula. Oppressors are punished. Violence as a response. That is what the people in Matthew's Gospel are longing for. So let's return to that question. Let's return to the question that got us at first. Am I a goat? (laughs) Are you a goat? The short answer is no. No, you are not. You are not the people who destroyed Jerusalem and persecuted the early church. You are not someone who judges others or steals from the hungry. You are not people who turn away from those in need. Last week, we talked about Paul Tillich's seminal work, The Courage to Be. And one of the anxieties that Tillich identifies as an aspect of non-being, an aspect of not stepping into the fullness of life, is the anxiety of guilt and condemnation. Tillich, at no point in his work, does he say that we are all perfect. Instead, he says that the courage to be is the courage to accept oneself as accepted in spite of being unacceptable. Contemporary sociologist and writer Brene Brown puts it in a similar but slightly different way. She says, you are imperfect, 
and wired for struggle, as in you are made to respond in a way that fear might motivate your very beginning. So you're wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. You don't have to step in to that fear, that fearful and violent reaction. You're worthy of love and belonging. Every single child of God is worthy of love and belonging. Those whom Jesus described as the least of these were the very people that society had rejected. These were people who had been labeled goats. In that time, the biblical response to illness, to imprisonment, was being rejected from society. And Jesus is calling for a new orientation, away from that judgment, away from that separation, be it by ourselves or what we imagine from God. This is a reorientation towards the question, how can we help? Who can we help? What can I give? As we often reference here, Henry Nouwen describes this shift from hostility to hospitality. And this part of that is accepting that we are worthy of love and belonging. We don't have to worry about whether or not we are goats. We are sheep, and we know that we can act like sheep to see the sheep around us, to look with hospitality instead of hostility at our fellow sheep. There's something beautiful that Jesus suggests in this passage, in, in this this, little, this reading from Matthew, something that we can't underscore enough, but something that I think is deeply ingrained in all of us. This notion that God is present in those around us. We love that phrase that we've gotten from the subcontinent, Indian subcontinent, continent, that namaste, I see God in you. I see God in you. In you, Jesus is calling us to see God in our greater family. Many of you know that several years ago, I worked uh, at a church in San Francisco called Glide that's right in the heart of the Tenderloin, which is one of the hardest neighborhoods of any city in any um, uh, place in the United States. There wasn't a day that I walked down those streets and didn't see somebody smoking crack, and usually dozens of people smoking crack right on the block of the church, right outside it. And one day, I was walking through the halls of the church. I was on my way to a board meeting where I was supposed to give a big proposal for them uh, to, to purchase new audio equipment. Um, and it was a big deal. I was like an intern, and I was going to this big board meeting. And I was, as I was on my way, I was walking down the halls, and there, a person turned to me, that I hadn't seen, there was like kind of behind some chairs and t- turned out to me and the person was in a pink robe um, wearing women's underwear and the robe was open and, um, and the person had a- an Adam's apple uh, and, and a-, a little towel wrapped around uh, her head. And uh, she turned and just stopped me, just grabbed me by the arm and, see- and asked me to pray with her. And as she did that, I saw in her other hand was a crack pipe. 
I'm going to call this person Lucia. It's not her real name. And Lucia was born a man, a black man with male uh, genitalia, but I was identifying as a woman and living, the hardships of living through in that reality had brought her to the streets of the Tenderloin. And she was so lost, she just wanted a minute to calm down, to calm and to be seen by the people around her. So we prayed. We, we cuddled up in, in the corner and we, and we prayed. And I prayed for a little while and then she prayed for me. And we were huddled up together in this hall with utter silence as the rest of this, this church was active around us. We were huddled up in the hall like Jesus in a manger, like Jesus in a tomb, exhausted from giving himself completely to the interconnected web of being that says you are worthy of love and belonging. You are all family. You are all good, whether you feel like sheep, a goat, transgender, or no gender. God loves you. The God who loves you gave himself for you, whether you deserved it or not. That is Christ the King, Christ the prisoner, Christ the sick, Christ the naked in public, Christ the transgender crack addict, Christ the Syrian refugee, Christ the Sufi prayer and the ISIS bomber, Christ the opioid junkie. That is the king we serve, the one who lives in the least of these, the one who cares for the forgotten, the one who looks for love where it has gone unnoticed. This is the one who invites you to stand with him. As Father Greg Boyle says, we stand with Jesus, with the lowly, with the despised, with the demonized, so that we can stop demonizing, with the disposable, so that we stop throwing people away. We welcome everyone, 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 as a child of God. Amen.